Good morning. So uh, earlier this week, I had the pleasure of getting to have a conversation with a robot. I, um, I had a package that was supposed to be delivered, and I ended up missing the delivery date, but I really needed it. So I wanted to go pick it up from the, the shipping facility, and I wanted to know if it was there before I went and picked it up. So I tried calling the shipping facility directly and thought I could get in touch with someone, but it redirected me to an automated call. And, you know, I was already just kind of frustrated. I kind of just wanted to have my package already. And then there's something about, especially when you're expecting to get in touch with a real, you know, human being on the other phone, and you realize it's a robot, there's something about it that just feels so, so dehumanizing, kind of to not be heard by a real person. And then that they insult your intelligence with the new technology they have, you know, where they add in these little sound effects to make you think that it's real. So it's like... Hold on, I'm processing your information right now. <laughs> I'm like, no one's actually typing on a keyboard right now. I'm already on hold. Why insult me? So, you know, I can feel myself, especially as I keep getting redirected to all these other lines I don't want to get redirected to. I find myself just getting more and more mad until by the time uh, my wife Catherine walks in, I'm screaming into the phone <laughs> Operator! 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 <laughs> It's, yeah, I probably sounded like a psycho. Uh, you know, but there's, there's something that's just so, so frustrating and that's so exhausting when our words don't have the power that we want them to. Does anyone know what that feels like? That feeling of just like feeling so tired, so exhausted, even frustrated, that our words just don't seem to have the power that we want them to. The power to get through, the power to to get us connected, the power to help us actually be heard. Um, You know, we want to be heard as creative. We want to be heard as innovative, as smart, as interesting, as someone who has something special and unique to offer. We want our voices, our ideas, We want our our real needs to actually be heard and to be taken seriously. And this goes way beyond automated calls. Um, So I want to ask you this morning, where is it in your life that you're finding yourself in the kitchen shouting, operator, operator, operator? Where is it in your life, what context in which you're feeling like your words just don't have power. That's feeling really, really disappointing, really, really painful. It might be at work with a team who you're throwing out all these ideas and nobody's, everybody's you know, nodding their heads, but nobody's actually engaging with your ideas or taking what you're saying seriously. It could be maybe with a boss or a supervisor who when you meet with them, you're trying to express, you know, I really have too much on my plate already. I'm at my bandwidth. I can't take anything more on, and yet the projects just keep coming, and it doesn't seem like that, that real need is not being listened to or heard. Maybe it's at home with one of your kids who, no matter how much you try and uh, correct them or try and let them know your heart for them and why you're telling them they can't do something or they should do something, they're just not listening. They're not obeying. It's not seeming to actually get through to them. Or maybe it's Even more broadly, I think a lot of us feel disappointed uh, with the lack of power our words have in the fight for justice. 
begins to feel really disappointing and frustrating when maybe you write letter after letter to your senator and you don't get a real supply or you don't see any substantial change. It could for other, others of us even be in our effort to create something, to create something that's beautiful, that's unique, that's different and substantial. We just keep finding ourselves disappointed with our own words, our inability to, to create something or even to, to get it acknowledged by other people as something special and unique. Where are you finding yourself shouting operator, operator, operator in your life? James, James sees us. He sees and he, he actually hears our need. He sees and he hears our need for our words to be empowered. And he wants our words to be empowered. In our text today, though, he doesn't just want to help us see how we can get our words empowered, where that power should come from, but he, he also really wants to warn us against all the other false and dangerous ways that we often go about seeking to get that real and genuine need met. So please turn with me to James 3 in your Bibles or bulletins. We'll be starting at, at verse 1. James writes, Not many of you should become teachers, my brothers and sisters. For you know that we who teach will be judged with greater strictness. For we all stumble in many ways. And if anyone does not stumble in what they say, they're a perfect person, able also to bridle their whole body. So James, he's a really intuitive pastor. He knows this flock well. He knows that when we run up against this feeling of powerlessness in our words, Usually our gut response is to try and power up. Our gut response is to try and seek the power that we feel like we're lacking. And for me in the kitchen, immediately that looked like just raising my voice, trying to get as loud as I can, trying to assert my will against the will of this robot (laughs) to be heard, to have my words taken seriously and to get through. And I think that we do this in a lot of other subtler ways too. There's a lot of other more subtle ways that we can try and seek the power that we feel like our words are lacking. And sometimes I think often that looks like trying to go after the kinds of positions or the kind of opportunities that we think like, man, if I can just get this position, if I could just get my foot in this door, if I could get connected just with this person or get in with this creative community, these people could vouch for me, this position would actually infuse and fill my words with the power that they're lacking. And then I'll be taken seriously. Then people will actually listen to me. I'll be heard. James saw this happening in his own community. He saw it happening with his own flock. And in the early church community in which James was pastoring, you know, a pretty, at the time Christianity was a small, fledgling, socially marginalized movement, one way to kind of up your social status was to seek the role of a pastor in the church community. The church of a pastor, of a rabbi in the church community, it seriously elevated your status. It infused, infused you with a kind of power, your words with a kind of power. It allowed you to be taken seriously. But there's some of us who maybe we don't want to be pastors in the church community. That's not the kind of positions of power that we're seeking to get. But it might look like wanting to get a particular job at work, another position at work. Might want to be starting our own business, being able to start our own boss, be our own boss. It might look like getting published. Uh, It could look like, you know, getting into grad school or even just, like I said before, getting that right person in your corner, knowing how important relationships are. And just keep thinking, if 
I can get this, then my words will finally have the power that they need to have. I'll actually be heard. So James sees that we want more power with our words. He sees our need for power and he sees our response to go after it and to try and get it in, in the ways that we, we can. And he wants to say to us, just first off, be careful. Be careful. Why? Think, let's look at verse 2. For we all stumble in many ways. If anyone does not stumble in what he says, he's a perfect person, able also to bridle his whole body. I love that James includes himself. He's not like riding on some high horse saying like, yeah, you guys all stumble in many ways, but I'm perfect. He, he actually knows how hard it is to feel like our words don't have power. And he also knows how hard it is uh, just to be able to communicate effectively in general. How hard just communicating is. I mean, how often do we try and be encouraging to someone? We want to speak a word of encouragement, but then we kind of find out later it sounds condescending. Didn't quite connect the way that we wanted it to. Or we want to apologize to someone. We want to try to be a peacemaker, and then we end up just starting a whole nother fight after our attempt to apologize. Most of us, we know we've experienced it ourselves from others, and we, we also, we could probably think of someone who totally unintentionally, with our words, we've wounded them deeply. And maybe we didn't know about it for years and years and years. It was not something we were trying to do. It was just the fact that we all stumble in many ways. It looks different for all of us. Communicating is hard. And there's something deeper in us that actually needs to be changed. It's not just a matter of getting a position of power to give our words the influence to be heard that we feel like they need, but there's actually something inside of us. There's a weakness inside of us that needs to be healed. There's something that needs to be changed and addressed. Or if we end up getting the power that we want, we might end up doing way more harm than good. We might not be as effective as we think that we will be. And a lot of times I think, too, that we're so blinded to the power that our words actually do have because we're never on the other side of ourselves. You know, it's so much easier for us to feel like other people's words have all the power because we're always on the other side of them, right? Because we know how much one word can really make or break your day depending on who it's said by and the way that it's said. We know the ways in which words spoken over us, even from a really young age, can be eternalized and can really shape our identity and our sense of self-worth. We know that because we're on the other side of other people. But we don't get to experience being on the other side of ourselves. It's easier sometimes to think that everybody else's words have all the power, right? And we're the only ones who are left empowered. James wants us to know that our words actually have way more power than we think that they do. Our words. And we shouldn't underestimate it. We shouldn't underestimate the real influence that we have, for better or for worse. He starts pointing this out in verse 3. He says, We put bits into the mouths of horses so that they obey us. We guide their whole body as well. Look at the ships also. Though they're so large and are driven by strong winds, they're guided by a very small rudder wherever the will of the pilot directs. So also the tongue is a small member, yet it boasts of great things. So James is saying like, hey, even there, there's all these things that might seem small, like the rudder of a ship, or even like a bit in a horse's mouth, 
the impact and the influence that it has is actually huge. We might not be able to, to comprehend it at first, or we might not you know, think that a little tool like that has so much power, but the impact that it has is actually huge to influence our own lives and influence the lives of others. I think he's trying to make the same point with the way that we underestimate the power that our own words have. Even though we might feel like our words are totally disempowered, like our words lack power, there's a power they have that we might be totally unaware of. And the danger in, in being totally unaware of the power that our words have about sort of putting it all out there, all the powers in everybody else's words, is that then we can start to act carelessly with our own words. We can start to act carelessly with our own words because we don't think it's our words that actually have the power. James is saying, can you imagine this little tool that's, that's actually so powerful? Think about a ship carrying all this cargo, carrying all these lives. Think about the power that the captain has to really change people's lives, to get them to their destination, or to potentially shipwreck the ship. James is like, think about that tool in the hands of somebody who's immature. Think about that tool in the hands of somebody who's really not trained. They haven't been developed. They don't, they don't really know how to use, use that tool well. Or they just totally disregard the power that they have. Think about how their carelessness could actually affect way more than they might realize. And I kind of experienced this firsthand myself. When I was in, in high school, we went on a, a whitewater rafting trip with my youth group. And I didn't, wasn't really athletic. Our family would go camping, but we didn't do anything like whitewater rafting. Sounded like way too much work. I really was like, where's the lazy river option? I just kind of, <laughs> I just want to do that. And so we're, we're all hopping in the raft and, and choosing teams, and they were describing the different roles, and the, the guide, one of the guides was in our boat. And he said, you know, I'm going to be in the back, I'm going to be the rudder. And we were kind of asking, I was like, well, what, what's that look like? And he's like, well, I just sit in the back, I call out the, you know, the orders, and then I just put my oar on one side or the other to, to steer it. And I was like, that's what I want to do. You know, these arms weren't made for all that rowing. <laughs> Maybe it was a paddle boat, you know, but these lanky arms can't do that. So I was like, yeah, I'll do it, I'll do it. And he was like, well, you know, it's kind of a big job. It's a lot of responsibility. Have you done this before? And I said, yeah. <laughs> now, I was lying. <laughs> I have not done it before. And he said, okay, well, I'm going to be up front. I'm going to be shouting orders back at you. You just do what I say. So we get to the really uh, intense part of the river. And he's like, turn right, turn right, we want to avoid the rocks. Now my impulses were not discipled. <laughs> my impulses as a pilot were very, very bad. And I ended up steering us right into the rock, and everybody got thrown out of the boat. <laughs> yeah, so then I had to, you know, come clean about my lack of experience. You know, but in that moment, I really didn't realize how much power that I, that I truly had. I was totally underestimating the role of, of rudder and the raft experience. And really, my, my, own, my own ability, my own skills, I really wasn't fit to kind of step in and take that extra, the extra power. And it kind of affected everybody else's, everybody else's trip as well. And I think that this is, this is some of the point that, that James is trying to make here. He's trying to say, like, hey, I know it seems like everybody else's birds have all the power, but when you start acting careless with the power that you've been given, and especially when you try and seek more power for yourself to compensate for the weakness that you feel, you can end up not just hurting yourself, but you can end up affecting way, way more people than you even imagined. You could end up shipwreck shipwrecking other people 
and their lives as well. And I think he takes this metaphor even further in verses uh, 6, in verse 6, even kind of drops the, met- the metaphor and he just he says it straight out. He's been saying the tongue is like this, the tongue is like that. He drops it, he just says it straight out. When he says, how great a forest is set ablaze by such a small fire and the tongue is a fire. It's almost like he's like, don't be confused. The tongue is a fire. If you have a tongue, you have power. If you have the ability of speech, you have power. There are power in our words. The tongue is fire. It's a world of unrighteousness. The tongue is set amongst our members, staining the whole body, setting on fire the entire course of life, and set on fire by hell. For every beast and bird of reptile and sea creature can be tamed and has been tamed by mankind. But no one can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. And I think we can kind of see what James is talking about just last year with the forest fire that swept through Paradise, California. Some of us know people who were, who were personally affected in that fire. And they say most of the damage was done in like four hours. About 18,000 or more structures, homes, churches, businesses, totally destroyed by what started as a small forest fire. How often does a small rumor totally destroy a church community? How much does one small rumor totally uh, just tear apart and destroy somebody's relationship? Even Even if we think that we're speaking the truth and saying it. How do a series of just careless words, really not even intentionally trying to be malicious, just being careless, totally rip apart a marriage, totally rip apart a friendship, not even just in things we say, but in things that we carelessly choose not to say. James wants us to be aware of the power of our words. You know, fire can shoot through the Twitterverse so much, we actually don't notice it. Or we think, you know, hey, I don't have a blue check mark next to my name. My words don't have power on Twitter. <laughs> but it can be easy to ignore it, but the damage can be real and lasting. James wants us to to acknowledge these things. He's going to force us to reckon with these things. Like we said before, it can be easy to to notice how one little word can really burn us or how a series of careless words spoken over time can totally bring our whole sense of of self-identity and worth to ashes. But James, I think, wants us to, to consider, again, what it's like to be on the other side of ourselves. And I think James would have us go around the different key people in our life different people we interact with on a daily basis, and to ask that question and to say, like, look, be honest. Have I burned you with my words? Be honest. Have my words started any fires that I don't know about? Has it started any drama or any problems that maybe I'm not even aware of? What's it like to be on the other side of me? James really focuses in on just how damaging our words can be to people's sense of identity. In verses 9 9 to 10, he says, With our tongue we bless our Lord and Father, and with it we curse people who are made in the likeness of God. From the same mouth come blessing and cursing. My brothers and my sisters, these things ought not to be so. And we 
there's that saying, you know, that we all know, sticks and stones can break your bones. And of course that's true. But words can shatter your whole sense of identity. Words can shatter your whole sense of identity. Words have the power to reach in and to cause malice in places that sticks and stones could never reach. And James wants us to be so aware of the power of language to reach far beyond just hurting people's bodies, blessing or cursing people's bodies, but actually messing with people's whole sense of identity. Words like ugly, bat, stupid, these can, totally, these can totally curse and shatter someone's idea of themselves. And even if they're spoken in jest, these words can really, can really kind of just kind of sit and settle in our soul. They can be internalized over years and years and years and then play into the way that we interact with other people. And I think that there's some of us as well who maybe we would never even think to say those words to somebody else. But somebody said them to us years and years ago and they've settled in our own soul. And then there's just this like script of negative self-talk that constantly runs through our minds. Like, see, this is why you failed that project, because you're stupid. This is why you failed that project, because you're lazy. This is why you failed that project, because you're incompetent. And, and it's just constantly running. And although we might not think that we're doing damage with our words because we're not reaching out and saying those things to other people, we're actually like lashing ourselves with our tongue all the time. James, James wants us to receive healing from these things. He wants to, to take out the poison in our own tongues, but he also knows that it goes way deeper than that. The poison isn't just in our tongues. The poison is in our hearts. And, some, and you know, it's there for all of us because we are broken people, but sometimes that poison has also been put there by the curses of other people on us. We've internalized those. And James, James wants to see us get healed. He knows that the weakness isn't just outside of us, right? It's not just in our words, but that the weakness is actually inside of us too. It's in our hearts. And the potential for poison isn't just external, but it's internal. We, we need to be heard. We need to be valued. We need to be protected. And yet, we'll never be satisfied with all the other forms of power that we're going after to try and feel that, that sense of empowerment that we lack. These are real needs. We need to be heard. And yet we'll never actually be satisfied by them. I think that comes across when James talks about the tongue as restless. That's because our hearts are restless as well. And as we seek these other forms of power out, they're not actually going to satisfy us. They're not going to help us. They're not going to actually make us any more empowered in the long run. They're just going to leave a wake of damage and division and broken relationships that need to be healed. We need to be healed. In the movie, The, uh, the King's Speech, King George V, he's struggling with this feeling of powerlessness in his words, too. He has a real need. His brother's just abdicated the throne. He has to step up. He's got this bad stammer that's a source of shame for him. And then he finds out that Britain's about to declare war on Germany. And he's going to have to give uh, his first major radio address to, to inform the rest of Britain that they're about to enter into World War II. And so he seeks out this, this speech therapist who's kind of an eccentric guy. His name is Lionel. And Lionel, the thing about Lionel compared to all the other teachers that he's accumulated for himself to try and fix this over time, 
is that Lionel actually sees his real need. He's not trying to just give him some, some techniques to get the problem under, under control. Lionel actually sees his real need. He actually hears what's going on, not just in his, the brokenness in his words, but the brokenness in his heart, the brokenness underneath his problems with his tongue. He hears the insecurities. He hears the pain. He hears the trauma from his childhood. And, and he breathes fresh life into him. He comes alongside of him. He walks with him. He coaches, with, he coaches him. And in that moment when he has to, to stand in the booth and give this, this address to all of Germany, Lionel's right there beside him. Or it's all Britain. He's right there beside him. He's coaching him through it. With our words, we, we can set fire to the world. But God and Jesus Christ sends his son, the living word, into the world. And he's, he's not full of poison. He's not full of a fire that burns with cursing. But his words are full of grace and truth. He's filled with the Holy Spirit. And his words can actually be a, a healing blessing and balm for anyone who comes to him, who listens to him, and can hear the Father's heart, who can hear the Father's heart for them. With our words, we are created to bless God. We are created to bless those who are made in his image. This, this isn't something that uh, is, is unintentional, but we are actually created for speech. We are created for our words to have power because language comes from God. God created the world by speaking everything into being. He said, let it be, and it was. He created us. Everything that is is a word of the Father. God's the first speaker. And as he walked with Adam and Eve in the garden, he was talking to them, talking to them and teaching them how to talk. Kind of like if you see new parents, if you're with them, and you see them walking around with their little babies, talking to them, explaining what's happening around. They're teaching them how to talk. And that's what God did with Adam and Eve. As he walked with them in the garden, He's teaching them how to talk, but he's, he's also allowing them to hear in his words his heart for them. He's allowing them throughout their day to hear, in, to hear in his words his heart for them, his love for them, his closeness to them, and in everything that he's created. He brings the animals to them, and he lets Adam and Eve name them, and whatever they named them, that was its name. Why? God wants to share this gift of speech with, with them. God's not greedy with the power of his words. He's not greedy with the power of speech. He's generous. He wants to share it with them and allow them to participate with him in the ongoing creation of the universe through words, through words of blessing. It is good. That's God's intention for speech. That's God's heart for us to be empowered in our words. And what Jesus does when he comes is that he brings us back into the garden. He wants to bring us back into the garden. He wants to allow us in hearing God's voice and speaking everything that the Father told him to speak, to hear the Father's heart for us, to hear the Father's words of blessing on our life through who Jesus is and through what he does. Words that can actually take away the fire of cursing that burns in our words and replace it with his own spirit, with that fire of blessing. Jesus' heart was totally saturated, totally filled with the Father's word over his life spoken at his baptism. 
You are my beloved. With you, I am well pleased. He knew that his words were empowered. He knew that was true. And it bled out in everything that he did. It just flowed from his lips when he encountered people. Because he knew it in his heart. He heard the Father's voice. His head was next to the Father's chest. As we're united with Jesus, he teaches us how to walk with God in the garden again, in our ordinary daily life. He teaches us how to walk with him. He teaches us how to listen for his voice. And as we do this, God teaches us how to talk. He teaches us how to speak his words of blessing and truth and grace to everybody that we encounter. He replaces the fire of cursing that burns in our words with the fire, the pure fire of blessing. So now back to those operator, operator moments in the kitchen. When we feel powerless in our words, which I'm sure we will this next week, right? There's going to be moments when we feel powerless in our words. In those operator, operator moments, what fire will be burning? What fire will be burning in your words? Be a fire of cursing or fire of blessing? Instead of powering up, Jesus wants us to look to, to his Father. He wants us to look to him, to hear him, to listen to his voice, and to hear the heart of the Father for us. And he wants us to ask him, just like Adam and Eve would respond and talk to God in the garden. In those operator, operator moments, he wants us to, to, to say, okay, God, how do you want me to respond in this situation? Not just to speak carelessly, but to ask him first, God, how do you actually want me to respond in this situation? What's your heart for this person? so that our words can burn with that fire of blessing. On Pentecost, as the Spirit came down on Jesus' disciples and reunited them with the heart of the Father, God plugged their lives back into the life of the Father. He plugged their lives and their hearts back into the heart of the Father. And the result wasn't a power that was stirred and worked up from below. The power was a power that came down from above. And instead of division and this wake of division and broken relationships, it actually started a movement of love and the restoration of all things that won't stop until the last day when everything, every word of creation, including our, our own lives, resonate once again with the heart of the Father. Jesus invites us as we prepare to enter back into this next week to receive his spirit, to receive his, his voice, his heart for others, the spirit of Pentecost, that our words might truly be able to burn with a fire of blessing. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.